Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffith. Hello. Welcome back to Circle City Cinema. I am your host, Zach Griffith. And tonight I have a show that is a little Oscars award centric. We're in that season, folks. Uh, Tonight I'll be talking about The Whale, Babylon, and the biggest movie is 2022 and perhaps 2023. We'll see. Avatar, The Way of Water, the long-awaited sequel to the highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, this is going to be a good one, folks. I am really excited for this because these are three movies that are going to be nominated for a boatload of Oscars. I'm predicting upwards of 20 nominations combined with these three movies. And a wide-ranging set of movies here because we have obviously a massive blockbuster in a franchise. We have a one-off from A24 with one of the greatest acting performances of the 2020s, perhaps the best actor winner. And then we have Babylon, which was a box office bomb, but a three-hour period piece chronicling the history of Hollywood in the 20s as they make the transition from silent films to uh, talking films. And directed by Damien Chazelle, who is one of our best directors that's working right now. So really excited for this one. But first things first, things I've seen lately. Now, we teased this a little bit on uh, Linsanity of all places when I threw Caleb and Bryce for a loop to start. Asked them uh, their top five favorite things, shows or movies that they watched in 2022. So I had a couple of these down. Uh, but things I've seen lately, House of the Dragon finished this up a couple weekends ago, the first season of 10 episodes. It's great. It's fucking great. Uh, great performances all around. Matt Smith uh, as Damon Targaryen, really great. Patty Considine as uh, King Varys, really great as well. A worthy successor show, even though it's a prequel. A worthy successor show to Game of Thrones. Not a not an easy act to follow, and they're doing it really well right now. Really excited for season two. I was talking with uh, Alex Burr, and the first oh shit Game of Thrones moment in this show actually came in the season one finale. Uh, and if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. So keep an eye on House of the Dragon season two. Hopefully next year, or... Maybe later this year we'll get it. I don't know. But keep an eye out for that. Watch it if you haven't. Phenomenal. Next up, Andor. Uh, I'm a little behind the behind the curve on this one. Uh, Andor, uh, really great Star Wars show. Started off slow uh, the first couple episodes. It's really picking up now. I'm on episode six, episode five or six, I think. And it's already better than uh, the Boba Fett's. Um, which, you know, <laughs> might not, might not be saying much. I liked Boba Fett, um, but it has a chance to be better than Obi-Wan. Uh, could be on par with Mandalorian. We'll see. Uh, really, really like it so far. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, the sequel to 2019's Knives Out. It was good. It was good. Uh, I wonder if we're going to see more of this stuff where 
Um, the movie gets the limited theatrical release followed by a wide release on Netflix. Uh, I really like this. I really like this. We don't get a lot of movies like this anymore where it's a mystery movie with a big cast and it seems like the whole family wants to watch it. Uh, really like this. Me and the lovely Abigail watched it uh, this past Friday when it came out. I believe it was this past Friday and really enjoyed it. I still like the first one better. Um, but if you like the first one, you would definitely enjoy this one. Great Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, uh, Daniel Craig, of course. So nothing to be disappointed with in Glass Onion. Next up, we've got Smile. Uh, scariest movie I've seen in a while. You can find this on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, just really fucking creepy. Uh, the lovely Abigail had trouble sleeping. After we watched it, uh, she had to watch something happy before we went to sleep. Uh, really fucking creepy and a lot better than I thought it was going to be. The previews look dumb, I will admit, but the marketing campaign, I'm sure you all remember, ingenious. Uh, and just really, I highly recommend it. In fact, I'm going to look up what it got on IMDb because 6.6, that's too low. I'd give it at least a 7. I would give it at least a seven. That was a phenomenal movie. Really, really scary movie. And directed by a guy named Parker Finn who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. So there you go. Crazy. That that movie was great. I don't know why. I don't know why people shat on it. It was good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And then the one I really wanted to talk about, things I've seen lately on HBO Max right now, and it's going to be nominated for a bunch of Oscars. The Banshees of Sharon. The Banshees of Sharon, starring Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson. Uh, yeah, if you haven't... If you haven't seen this, I'd highly recommend it. Colin Farrell is going to be a front-runner for Best Actor. Brendan Gleeson is going to be a front-runner for Best Supporting Actor. Going to be nominated for Best Picture. Absolutely going to be nominated for Best Picture. It's about a, a, a f- uh, two friends, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson's characters, who basically uh, Brendan Gleeson breaks off their friendship for no apparent reason, and Colin Farrell doesn't know why, and shit goes down. <laughs> shit goes down, and it's really entertaining throughout, really sad. Uh I would just highly recommend it. It's it's uh, on HBO Max right now. If you want to watch it, could win some Oscars. Even I mean, I think Colin Farrell will definitely be nominated. Gleason will be nominated, and it will be nominated for Best Picture. So there's three right there. Watch it if you haven't. HBO Max. Not a long movie either. Only about hour fifty minutes. I want to start with the Whale, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Written by Samuel D. Hunter, who based it on his 2012 play of the same name. Cinematography by Matthew Libatique. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. Frequent collaborator of Darren Aronofsky. Uh, you know, they, they've worked together quite a bit. Starring Brendan Fraser, Sadie Sink, Ty Simpkins, and Hong Chow. 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. I strongly agree with that. Here's what I don't agree with, and quite frankly, it's laughable. One and a half out of four stars on RedRebert.com. I didn't even bother to read the review because I was so pissed. 
that they gave it a one and a half out of four. Let me be clear. Probably not going to watch this movie again. But I wouldn't be upset if I did. Phenomenal film. It's still in theaters if you want to see it. Plot. Morbidly obese English teacher tries to establish a relationship with his estranged daughter, played by Sadie Sink. Uh, so Brendan Fraser plays this English teacher named Charlie, who I think they say what his weight is. They definitely say his blood pressure in the movie, but morbidly obese. Like they say a couple times, dude, you got to do something. You got to go to the doctor or you're going to die pretty soon, like within the week. And he just doesn't seem to care. Left his wife and daughter for a male student of his uh, when his daughter was eight. Um, was rejected by his church because he was gay. Uh, sent money to his family when he left them. Uh, always asked how his daughter was doing, but hasn't seen her since she was eight until this point in the movie. Just think about that, what you will. He's a good guy. Like, I know this sounds weird to say about a guy who deserted his family, but like he isn't a bad person. Like when you see this movie and you get to know Charlie as the character, like he's a caring person. He loves people. He thinks people are amazing. He even says that at one point. He's an English teacher, and I think all English teachers are a little eccentric or uh, unique in their own ways, and he's definitely that. Uh, it's kind of the movie opens on basically a Zoom classroom, and Charlie claims that his camera doesn't work, but he keeps it off so his students can't see how big he is. And then at the end of the movie, he shows them how big he is and throws his laptop across the room. It's it's actually kind of funny, um, but he is unable to walk unassisted uh he gets food brought to him yeah he gets not taking any meds really all he does is grade papers and teach class on zoom and and sit on his couch he has to get help getting into bed he has like this harness that he pulls on to get into bed really uh moving depressing movie uh but brendan fraser man Brendan Fraser, I think, should be the front runner for best actor. I wouldn't be pissed if he lost. Uh, and I'm going to get into some other awards um, that have been announced, some nominations that have been announced. Because this year, it's not like last year where you hadn't the you know the common moviegoer hadn't heard of half of the bullshit that was nominated. You know, Coda, Coda winning last year. I'm not saying anything bad about Coda. I'm just saying that people hadn't heard of Coda. Well, or this year, I feel like people have heard of The Whale. People have heard of Babylon. Obviously, people have heard of and seen Avatar. People have heard of The Fablemans, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Everyone and their fucking grandma saw that. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, the Whale. We have everything everywhere all at once. We have Glass Onion. We have Tar. All of these movies that people have heard of and have seen. It's like 
not to the level that 2019 was because 2019 was obviously an all-time movie year, but similar in that people have heard of these movies. Elvis, didn't even mention Elvis. Banshees of Minna Sharon. People have heard of these movies. They've seen them on Twitter. Uh, they see them on their streaming services. And that's going to be a big help for these movies that have been nominated is getting them on the streaming services so that people actually see them. There was a time in Oscars history where people had seen or heard of all the nominees and last year was just kind of a like what the fuck year because i hadn't heard of most of the nominees last year was the first show first ceremony i hadn't watched since like 2014 so broke a streak of like seven years for me where i just didn't didn't watch the show and it was mostly because i hadn't heard of any of the fucking movies I hadn't heard of them. And this year is going to be really fun because you have a movie like Top Gun Maverick that not only have people seen it and seen it multiple times, but really has a chance to win Best Picture. And I'm going to get into why that is uh, in just a second when I get into some of these awards awards uh, shows that have already released their nominees. Oscars will release their nominees on January 25th in the morning. They release them in the morning around 8 p.m. so they don't get shit on immediately while people are waking up. Uh, just so you know, that's 5 o'clock a.m. Pacific time, so they really don't get shit on. Uh, very strategic by the Oscars there. They probably work with the NFL on that. Back to the whale. Brennan Frazier, going to be the frontrunner for Best Actor, I think. Uh, but some other, like I said, not going to be pissed if he doesn't win. It's not a Joaquin Phoenix Joker situation where if he doesn't win, it's a crime. Uh, because there's so many great performances in movies this year. We have Tom Cruise and Top Gun, who I think is very deserving to win. Colin Farrell and Banshee's Venice Sharon, also very deserving. And then, of course, Austin Butler and Elvis, who I think at one point was the odds on favorite to win Best Actor in could still win it. I think still has a very good chance to win it. Brendan Fraser is nominated for Best Actor at the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards. Golden Globes, kind of a joke because they release their nominees into like different genres of movie, which is kind of weird. Like one year, The Martian won for Best Picture as a comedy. I mean, it's funny at times, but come on, a fucking comedy? I don't think so. Brendan Fraser, though, easily the best performance of his career. Moving. Uh, there's a couple incredible monologues in here. There's an exchange with his ex-wife at the end where you're just like, he might have... <laughs> He might have won the Oscar there. I mean, I went uh, with Bryce uh, on a Tuesday night. AMC, shout out. Uh, sponsor the pod, please. Uh, and our theater was not packed, but like there was quite a few people there. Like quite a few people there. Of course, some of them may have been the A24 hive, but I don't really care. I'm glad that people were there. And Brandon Fraser fans have come out in droves since his little comeback started about a year ago when he was in No Sudden Move, the Soderbergh movie that came out on HBO Max. Nice little movie, noir thriller, if you want to watch that. Uh, but it was really encouraging to see that, that, you know, the A24 hype does exist, but it was a mix of that, 
I think the Frasier fans and people who just wanted to see this movie. Common moviegoers. They had this poster outside at AMC. That's ridiculous. This movie's made $6 million. It's crazy. And it's really, really encouraging. And I think the end of this year is going to be a great segue into 2023 this year because I think 2023 has a chance to be the best movie year since 2019. So basically the best movie year post-COVID in a movie-going world. And it would be awesome if a guy like Brendan Fraser or Tom Cruise won the Oscar uh, for Best Actor. Brendan Fraser, a guy who was basically blackballed from Hollywood. He accused uh, some people of harassment, was basically blackballed because of it, and then it turned out to be true. And now he's slowly coming back in like he should be. And a lot of great news about him recently, uh, you know, potentially reprising his role in The Mummy. He's going to be in the Martin Scorsese movie later this year, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Like I said, he was in No Sudden Move in 21. He's a good actor. Like, that's never been in question. He's made some questionable decisions in the movies he's been in, but this one was an absolute hit. And what a way to cap your comeback by winning the the Oscar for fucking best actor. What a way to cap that. So I hope he wins it. Not going to be pissed if he doesn't. I personally think it's going to be him or Tom Cruise who take it. Uh, but back to those award shows. Golden Globes kind of sucks because their categorizing of things is kind of weird. The Critics' Choice Awards and the National Board of Review Awards tend to be more telling as to what's going to be nominated at the Academy Awards. Uh, National Board of Review has actually already released their winners. Uh, There's going to be a formal ceremony, I believe. What did it say? January 8th. So this Sunday, that will be taking place. Uh, The new National Board of Review Awards Gala on January 8th, this Sunday. Uh, But those tend to be more telling as opposed to the Golden Globes uh, as to what's going to be nominated at the Oscars, which again will be announced on January 25th. Uh, I want to get into a little bit more of Frazier's performance here. Kind of a disturbing performance as well. Uh, Really graphic depiction of binge eating. Um... There's a scene where it seems like all hope is lost for him. He's kind of submitting to the fact that, hey, I'm going to be dead soon. My daughter hates me. My ex-wife hates me. What's it matter? And he just binge eats. He eats like two slices of pizza at once, douses them in ranch, uh, shoves a whole bag of chips in his mouth. Eats like two meatball subs, and it's all really graphic, really sloppy eating, too. And makes you feel for the guy because he can't help it, and he feels like he has nothing left to live for. He's making no effort at all to conserve his life, and it's sad because on some levels, he did it to himself. 
But on another level, his daughter, who we'll get into her in a little bit, is so recklessly mean to him and everyone else in her life, it seems like, that he just feels hopeless. But at the same time, instead, rather than being disturbing and depressing, the performance... <laughs> It's really uplifting, especially near the end. The last 30 to 35 minutes of this movie, fucking powerhouse. Fucking powerhouse. And sealed that it will be nominated for Best Picture. Like I said earlier, sealed that he most likely will win Best Actor. Um, I would be interested to see those odds. As a matter of fact, my degenerate self... Is going to look them up right now. And here it is. Variety. Variety.com. Odds on favorites to win Best Actor. Brendan Fraser, number one. Austin Butler, number two. Colin Farrell, number three. Tom Hanks number Tom Hanks ahead of Tom Cruise. That's fucking oh my fuck. That is bullshit. <laughs> so there's only five nominees for Best Actor, and if Tom Hanks is nominated ahead of Tom Cruise for A Man Called Otto, fuck off. Fuck off. I'm gonna close this tab before I get pissed off even more. Uh, Sadie Sink, who you might know as Max from Stranger Things, didn't end too well for in the end of Stranger Things 4. Gonna need some help walking. Picture her character from Stranger Things when she's first introduced, like in season two, that mean, like, pent-up anger. Multiply that by 10, and you have her character in this movie. Really just fucking evil at times in this movie. Um... You can definitely tell she's the child of a broken home, if you will. Uh, No guidance in life. Absent parents. And Charlie Frazier's character, he's just like (laughs) oblivious to it because he's just glad she's spending time with him. In fact, he actually offers to pay her to spend time with him. Does her homework for her. Uh, and she's really mean to Ty Simpkins' character, who I haven't even talked about. Ty Simpkins plays basically a missionary, uh, who you get a little bit more backstory on. I won't spoil that part for the movie because that was actually really unpredictable. But she does a really sick thing to him, and he spins it around to make it like a positive, and like I don't know, yeah. He, watch watch the movie and know what I'm talking about. But another actor I want to hit on this movie is Hong Chow, who was in this and The Menu in 2022. Great year for her. Uh, she plays the sister of Charlie's ceased boyfriend. Uh, did a great job. So big year for her. The Whale, still in theaters if you haven't seen it. Not on any streaming services right now. Uh, but I totally agree with the rating on IMDb. The rating on Roger Ebert can go fuck itself. Babylon. Next up. Directed and written by Damien Chazelle. Cinematography by Linus Sandgren. 
another frequent collaborator of Chazelle. Uh, he shot No Time to Die as well, and starring Brandon, starring uh, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Diego Calva, who's the breakout star of this movie. Seven point four out of ten. IMDb. I actually agree with that. Two and a half stars out of four on RogerEbert.com. I agree with that as well. Still in theaters, like the whale, uh, but one of the worst release dates of all time uh, came out the weekend after Avatar came out. Um, good rule of thumb: don't release a movie anywhere in the vicinity of James Cameron, Star Wars. Uh, Middle Earth, Harry Potter, or Marvel, or Fast and Furious. Just don't fucking do it. If you want to make any money whatsoever, don't fucking do it. Uh, it's bombing terribly right now. That's probably what it's most known for, which is a shame because the movie's actually really good. Uh, one of the worst release dates of all time. If you remember last year, Nightmare Alley came out on the same day as Spider-Man No Way Home which, in my opinion, is the worst release date of all time. And this one's pretty close. I didn't think it would bump this badly because it did have some star power with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, but goddamn, was I wrong. I'll take the L on that. It's bombing horribly, horribly right now. Hot. Let's see here. How bad is it? How bad is it? Let's just see just how bad it is. Well, folks, the budget was $80 million. We're not even at $12 million box office yet. <laughs> so, not great. Not a great look for Giselle. But I will say this. I enjoyed this movie. Think Wolf of Wall Street meets Once Upon a Time in Hollywood minus most of the sex and drug content. Sex and drugs are still a major part of this movie, but not to the extent that they were in Wolf of Wall Street where the movie is like bleeding sex and drugs. Uh, the movie opens with a man getting profusely shat on by an elephant. Uh, so take that for what you will. Uh, oddly enough, features Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie who were in those movies. Margot Robbie is actually in both of them. Uh, Brad Pitt obviously won his Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But this movie, it's like four different genres. It's a tragedy. It's a it's a it's a comedy. It's a historical movie. It's a period piece. Uh, it's about the rise and fall of fictional silent film stars as Hollywood transitions from silent to talking pictures in the 1920s. They called these movies talkies back then. Uh, silent films were basically dominating the medium until they figured out how to get sound in the movies. There's a very funny scene where they're actually trying to capture the sound in a scene and the technology is so... Jurassic, if you will, like ancient, that any sound that is made that isn't supposed to be in the movie, they have to restart the scene. And that is actually one of the scenes where I think Margot Robbie solidified her case to be nominated for Best Actress. 
but the totality of the movie takes place actually over like a 30 year period from the late 1920s to 1952. Uh, and don't let the billing of this movie mislead you. Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie are not the main characters. It's actually Diego Calva. Breakout star of the movie, like I said at the beginning. Please do not let the billing mislead you. He is the main character. And as the silent stars kind of fall, Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie play the silent stars. He is a guy who works his way up through the ranks of the movie business. Um... And his career is actually taking off when eventually at the end, near the end, he decides to get out of it uh, for reasons that I will leave unclear because I want you to go see this movie. But he is also misguided. He falls in love with Margot Robbie's character who's just not, not a good influence. Think, uh, I don't even know who to... I don't know. Think Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan, who's now doing really great and back on track with her career, but think like mid-2010s, early-2020s Lindsay Lohan. Just not not making the best decisions for a career, for herself. And he's like falling in love with this chick. And it's just, just not good for him, but he can't help himself. But he is the star of the movie, no doubt. He follows his career uh, to an extent. But this movie, it's a great history of Hollywood. Because like I said, you're talking about the transition from the silent era to the talky era. And it's, this is where the tragedy part of it comes in. Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie play these stars who dominate the silent era. Brad Pitt's character is actually a pioneer of the silent film era. He is one of the founders of old Hollywood, basically. The star power of it. And they just cannot adapt to the talking movies. And there's a few reasons for that. Uh, Number one, they're just not good actors. And that was covered up by the fact that they had pretty faces. They were hot. And that you didn't really need to act in silent movies to the extent that you have to in talking movies. And that's actually made fun of in one of the greatest movies of all time, uh, Singing in the Rain, which is actually briefly featured in this movie, where there's this hot actress who, once they transition to the talkies... Her voice is annoying as hell and is not going to play in the talkies. And she straight up can't act. And her career basically ends because she can't act. And Margot and Brad's characters uh, basically fall victim to that. And it's really frustrating for Brad Pitt's character because he was trying to think of a way to reinvent Hollywood because he didn't like where it was going with the silent pictures. And he kind of gets beat to the punch with the talkies. And people really didn't think the talkies would take off. They did. And that was basically the end of that. Uh, They tried their hand at it. And they just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. 
and really sad in that respect because you see these people who are on top of the world, on top of the industry, pioneers of the industry in some cases, just can't adapt. Just can't adapt. And the survival of the fittest part of Hollywood really shines through <laughs> in that. Diego Calva nominated at the Golden Globes for Best Actor in one of their categories. Um, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Actually, before them, if you go see this movie at AMC, before it starts, they have Margot and him basically welcoming you to the movie, thanking you for coming, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, he was nominated at the Golden Globes. Don't think he'll be nominated at the Oscars because... I'm not even sure the nominators at the Oscars watch these movies, so they're probably going off the top billing. But Brad could be nominated for Best Supporting Actor once again. Uh, don't know if he'll win it, but he should be nominated. Margot Robbie's absolutely going to be nominated for Best Actress. Uh, and you can miss me on the talk that she's done just because she had a couple movies bomb. Miss me. Miss me. There's been plenty of actors... Plenty of actors who've had movies bomb that nobody's questioned whether or not they're good. Nobody's sitting here saying Margot Robbie's a bad actress. And if they are, they're dumb. And you shouldn't listen to them. She's a fucking great actress. She's going to be nominated for Best Actress. And one day she's going to win the award. And what are they going to say then? But she plays a rising star in these silent films whose career just really has terrible timing. Uh, she's like an NBA player who she's like these she's like Sam Perkins in this movie. A guy who can stretch the floor. You know, Sam Perkins, a big guy who can stretch the floor, but he just missed his calling by like 10 years. You know, if he just come along 10 years later, he might have been able to stretch his career out to like five or six more years. Margot Robbie comes along, dominates the silent movies for like two years, and then it all goes to the talkies and she can't do it. And it sucks for her because she was just now becoming a star and the world like crumbles from under her and it's really sad to watch. Really, really sad to watch. Uh, but this movie, probably going to be on HBO soon. I think it is, you know, Damien Chazelle has made... I believe this is his fourth movie. So we have Whiplash, La La Land, First Man, and Babylon. So assuming Babylon is nominated for Best Picture, three of his four films will have been nominated for that award. With La La Land almost winning it, if not for that famous Oscars fuck up where Moonlight actually won it. Uh, Whiplash was nominated as well. First Man was not. So... Quite the resume. Seventy. He's batting seven fifty right there. That's that's quite the resume. Uh, he'll be nominated. He'll be nominated for best actor or best director as well. Pitt and Robbie will be nominated. Also, the Tobey Maguire character in this. Think of Eyes Wide Shut on crack, and that's him. Uh, I will say no more. You'll know it when you see it. <laughs> Next up, in the last movie tonight that I want to get into, Avatar, The Way of Water, a movie that has been 13 years in the making. Um, 
Similar to why James Cameron waited to make the first Avatar, he simply thought that technology wasn't far enough along in order to make his vision a reality. And goddamn, I'm glad he waited because this is a phenomenal movie. I thought it was better than the first one. Phenomenal action scenes, phenomenal performances, a great villain performance that topped the first one. And son of a bitch, if it isn't blowing up the box office. So we have Avatar The Way of Water, directed and written by James Cameron. Co-written by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. Cinematography by Russell Carpenter, who won the award for Best Cinematography for Titanic. And starring Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, and Kate Winslet, who joins the cast 7.9 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. A three and a half out of four stars on RogerEbert.com. Roger gave the first film a perfect four out of four stars. And I think it would have done the same for this one. Big Jim Cameron retains his box office crown. This movie surpasses Top Gun Maverick to become the highest grossing movie that came out in 2022. Almost $1.52 billion and counting. It's the rare movie nowadays that actually increased its revenue from opening weekend to the second weekend. So the second weekend actually grossed more than the opening weekend, which is unheard of nowadays. I don't even know if Endgame did that. Fucking astounding. I think it was the fifth fastest movie to reach $1 billion. And it's showing no signs of slowing down. I think it'll get to $2 billion like the first one. Uh, I don't think it'll become the highest grossing movie of all time like the first one. Uh, but if it approached like $2.5 billion, wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we're already at one and a half, and It hasn't even been a month yet. Um. The first one also sold really well at home. It was the highest selling uh, home video when it came out. I expect something similar with this one. But some of the most astounding visuals that I've ever seen. I saw this movie in 3D IMAX. And a fun fact about this movie, you can't see it in regular IMAX. You literally can't. If you go on AMC app or Fandango or Regal app or wherever you go to get your movie tickets, there's no option to see it in regular IMAX. It's either 3D IMAX or Dolby Cinema or regular digital. That's it. You can't see it in regular IMAX. I saw it in 3D IMAX and it was one of the most outstanding theater experiences I've ever had. I even got a free poster. And we got a free poster at AMC. Shout out AMC. Please sponsor the pod. Awesome, awesome movie. Better than the first one, like I said. And I really liked the first one. I rewatched it a couple weeks before I went and saw this. It was actually the extended cut. And I am thrilled to buy this one. It will for sure be released on Disney Plus, but I'm buying it. I don't give a shit. And James Cameron. For all the haters, Bryce Chatty, I'm talking to you, who said, why are we waiting this long? It has no cultural impact. Well, I would wait 13 years if I knew I was going to make $1.5 billion. I'd wait 20 years. Fuck it. 
And there's no end in sight for this franchise. I believe, let me verify here. Uh, the next one will come out in 2024. And let me see here. I believe we have how many more are planned here? How many more are planned? So let's see. We have Avatar 5 slated for a release in 2028. So there you go. This is going to be a 20 year old franchise by the time it's all said and done. So. This franchise has no end in sight. Really love the way it's going. Uh, the plot of this one, Jake and Natiri now have a family. They have four kids. Uh, the humans are returning to Pandora with Jake as their target, um, forcing them out pretty much. Miles Quaritch, if you remember the villain from the first movie, reincarnated, if you will, as an avatar. I was really wondering how they were going to bring him back considering he died in the first movie, got a couple of arrows to the chest. And it's kind of cool how they revisit that um, in this movie. But he's reincarnated as an avatar, so he has the speed and agility and skills uh, that Jake and Atiri do. We get a new tribe, the Water Tribe, the Metkayina Tribe, which is the one Kate Winslet's character is a part of. Uh, really cool. Really cool animation underwater, but unprecedented. There's no other way to put it. Literally unprecedented animation underwater. Uh, and the world is expanding in this franchise. Uh, Cameron said, I think last week or this week, that in Avatar 3, there will be a fire tribe. So I'm all in for that. So we will have had forest, fire, and uh, water by the time Avatar 3 comes out. But in my opinion, Stephen Lang, who plays Miles Corridge, is the best part of this movie. You get a little bit of backstory on him in this movie as well. I thought he was a good villain in the first one. You know, really hateful and relentless, which is what you're looking for in a sci-fi villain. But he takes it up a fucking notch in this one. Out for revenge, out for blood. It's going to stop at nothing. I thought he was the best part of the movie, and I really... I'm really glad they didn't kill him actually uh, he's, he's a villain like you're like yeah I really want him to die but also he's the best part of the movie so not really uh, just a great performance by him great performance by him if I was a nominator for the Oscars I would throw in best supporting actor for him but that's never going to happen this movie is going to be nominated for a shitload of Oscars. I predicted 20 combined between these three movies that we're talking about tonight. The Whale, Babylon, and Avatar. This one could potentially nomi be nominated for 10 or more. The first film was nominated for nine Oscars uh, for reference. So there you go. Now I want to get into award season here before I wrap up. The award season, like I said, typically... Pretty telling as to what's going to be nominated uh, at the big ones, the Academy Awards. Uh, but we have the National Board of Review have already announced their winners. The National Board of Review typically releases, they're famous for releasing lists of the top 10 films of the year. And they've already released their winners for this year. 
with the official ceremony being on Sunday, like I said earlier. But they picked Best Picture as Top Gun Maverick, and I'm all for that. I hope that happens. I really hope that happens. That would be awesome. I don't know the last time the most popular movie of the year, money-wise and culturally-wise, won Best Picture. I really... It might be Silence of the Lamps. That in 1991. That might be the last time this happened. Probably Titanic. Probably missing Titanic too. Uh, Titanic was probably the last time this happened. Where a movie that everyone saw, everyone enjoyed, I think, won and had the biggest cultural impact, actually won the award for Best Picture. And I think that is going to happen this time. I really think Top Gun Maverick is going to win the Oscar. Best Director of the National Board of Review, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, which is actually one of these movies that came out recently that I have not seen. I really want to see it. I think I'll wait for the streaming release, but I really want to see that one. Basically, a Spielberg biopic on himself, which is kind of a cool concept. Best actor, interesting here, and I don't hate it. In fact, I like it a lot. Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Sharon. I'm all for that. Best actress, we have Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. She seems to be a front runner. Best supporting actor, Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Sharon. So Banshees sweeping the actor categories. And best supporting actress, I hope this happens, Janelle Monet for Glass Onion. Really, really hope that happens. Uh, best original screenplay, Martin McDonough for Banshees of Sharon. And best adapted screenplay, we had Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson, and Ian Stokel for All Quiet on the Western Front. Still need to see that. Still need to see that. Do they have best animated feature? Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Never heard of it. Okay. Uh... Then we have the Critics' Choice Awards, and they have their Best Picture nominees here. So they have Avatar, Babylon, The Banshees of Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, RRR, Car, which I still need to see that. It sounds like Kate Blanchett will win Best Actress for that movie. Top Gun Maverick and Women Talking. So most of those movies, I feel like people have heard of or seen, which again, very encouraging. And I hope the Oscars follow suit with that. Best Actor nominees. They have six nominees here. They have Austin Butler for Elvis, Tom Cruise for Maverick, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Sharon, and Brandon Frazier for The Whale. The other two, I don't really have a chance. I'm not going to mention them. Best Actress... Kate Blanchett for Tar, Viola Davis for The Woman King, Margot Robbie for Babylon, Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So as you can see, folks, kind of on the right track here for these awards. Um, the Golden Globe Awards, I'll read those off and I don't really care. Let's see here. Yes, so for Best Picture, they have 10 nominees. Uh, Looks like the same ones as the Critics' Choice. However, they have Hugh Jackman in The Sun nominated for Best Actor. 
We also have Michelle Williams in The Fablemans nominated for Best Actress. Best Director, what do we have? No, Damien Chazelle. Wow. They have James Cameron, Baz Luhrmann for Elvis, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. That's all I got for the pod tonight, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you want to watch these movies, The Whale and Babylon are still in theaters. And Avatar are still in theaters, of course. No end in sight for that one. Banshee's Even a Sharon, if you want to watch that. HBO Max, Glass Onion, Netflix, Smile, Paramount Plus, and then House of the Dragons on HBO 2, and or on Disney Plus, of course. So, as always, thank you very much for listening, folks. Check out the rest of our shows on the network and have... A great night.